1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in the heavenly realms, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive. So I'm taught the Word of God. My life has changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. Now, back on January 24th, we finished this series, The Truth About Money, but it was either the first or second day we got away in February to study for the Holy Week Revival and the Week of Increase. The Lord spoke to me in prayer at prayer time, and he said, he mentioned vows, and he said, you have avoided this great truth from the word because it has been abused by unscrupulous full gospel ministers. And that's true. The word is used more than 80 times in the New International Version, but that's the word vow. But you could actually add to that because there are other times the word pledge is used in the Bible. And then just uh, this week in my annual Bible reading, I came across the word oath repeatedly in the Word of God. And frankly, whenever I've searched on this, I've never searched for the word pledge or the word oath, but I think they would be synonyms of the word vow. So just because a truth has been abused by some unscrupulous ministers does not make that truth not true. Now, our launching text in this series were Matthew 6, 21, Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And of course, last Sunday, we dealt with the most famous vow in the word of God, and that's in Genesis 28. Jacob vowed to give God a tenth of everything that crossed his hands. He got that from his grandfather, Abraham, and he got that from his father, Isaac. Genesis 28, 20, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house. Then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. And that's when Jacob got right with God right there. Jacob was a deceiver. Jacob was mean. Jacob was a trickster. He was on the run. Jacob was a hated man, and his brother Esau wanted to kill him. And before this event in Genesis 28, there is no record 
of Jacob making any effort whatsoever to connect to the God of his father Isaac and the God of his grandfather Abraham. But in Genesis 28, 15, God said to Jacob, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. Then Jacob made a vow, verse 20, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house. Then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. And as you know, Jacob became a rich man because he made this vow to God. Jacob made a vow to God as a runaway who had met God in that dream. He made the most important decision of his life to make the Lord God his God. And then he said, I'm going to honor God with my money. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So I want you to notice that Jacob made that decision to give God 10% of everything that crossed his hands when he had nothing. In fact, he had nothing but a stick. And that's the way Sue and I feel because when we left home, we had a $600 Firebird with no debt on it. And we had $400 that her grandpa gave us at our wedding. I had a young, a young married gal come up and ask me a few years ago. She said, well, Pastor, how could you make all that money in college selling cookware? And that's all you had was uh, a used car and $400 Sue's grandma and grandpa had given you. And I said, well, we had no debt. You can't relate to those days. There was no credit like there is today. So her engagement ring, her wedding ring had no debt on it. We had no debt. We had no credit card debt. And then we had, you know, the asset of the used car and the $400. Jacob had nothing but a stick when he made this vow to God. He left home with nothing but a staff in his hands. And yet years later, he returned home a rich man. When Jacob returned home and was afraid of meeting Esau, whom he had wronged, he prayed to God in Genesis 20, excuse me, Genesis 32, 9 and 10. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. So what does what Jacob report that God said to him? I'll make you a poor man. I'll make you the tail and not the head. I'll make you a, I'll make you a debtor and not a lender. No, he said, I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two groups. We live in a time when the word of God is not going to work for a lot of people because number one, they don't read it. Number two, they don't take action on it. And uh, somebody could have heard last Sunday's message or they could hear this message this morning. And if they're not doing the annual Bible reading, they don't know the backstory. The backstory is that Jacob just didn't uh, collect a welfare check and prosper. He worked seven years for his beloved Rachel, and he worked seven years for Leah, whom he didn't want. So he labored 14 years. Amen. We have a whole generation today that wants to prosper without laboring. I saw a video this week, and... This young person was explaining how that 
I don't know if you realize it, but in this $1.9 billion COVID bill now, they've built in for the first time in the history of the United States, they have built in a universal income. And so this, like, like the United Kingdom has, and this young person on this video was explaining how great universal basic income is because it gets people off welfare. This is how ignorant this generation is because they don't understand that if you get a check from the government and you ain't been working, that's welfare. I mean, we have people here this morning that work for the government. We've got military people. We've got people that work for uh, different departments of the federal government. If you work and you get a check, that's called a paycheck. But if you don't work and you get a check or when I say paycheck, now they don't even know what that is or a check. They don't even know what that is. All they know is they got money showing up in their account. Well, if you have not been laboring and you have money showing up in your account, that's welfare. And and you know who's paying for it? The people that actually have a J-O-B. Amen. I will make you prosper. I'm unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I, I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I've become two groups. So he didn't have anything but a stick. He said, when I left home, all I had was a staff. But now there are so many camels and animals and goats and other critters. We cannot even move in one group because it would decimate the land. So we have to move in two groups. Now here at Faith Christian Center, that's what we want to happen to you. Somebody might say, uh, he just wants us all to prosper. Yeah. Third John 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. I want you to prosper. Oh, he ain't nothing but a prosperity preacher. Guilty. You may not have anything now, but if you'll give your life to God, If you'll promise to honor the Lord with your wealth, the blessing of the Lord will come upon you. Say it out loud. The blessing of the Lord Lord will come upon me. And then if you'll continue to honor the Lord with your wealth, as your blessing factor goes up and up and up, there will literally be no end of the blessing in your life and the new levels you can achieve. Shout it out loud. There's no end to it. Shout it out loud. If I'll honor God with my wealth, there'll be no end to the levels I can achieve. If your heart cries out, Father God, I want to be a blessing to your work. Father God, I want to be a tither. Father God, I want to be a giver. God will hear you and he will give you seed to sow. Now, I didn't say he'll make you a millionaire. I said he'll give you a seed to sow. And this is where People miss it, and this is what we're going to deal with next Sunday, the mechanics of it. How does it work? See, that's how God operates, and that's how God separates out the faithful from the posers and the pretenders. Well, Pastor Gene, are you preaching that God will make everybody here a millionaire? Well, no, because not everyone wants to work that hard. If you haven't figured it out, you you cannot be, you know, a lazy daisy and uh, be a millionaire. I mean, part of it, frankly, is uh, the, the work. 
Oh my goodness, anybody that calls, you know, they call profits in markets unearned income. Anybody who calls profits in markets unearned income never made any. Because it's probably the most stressful thing I've ever done in my life is uh, what do you do with this money now to grow it and to make good decisions and to know when to do this and know when to do that. Amen. Amen. And then silly me, you know, we lived on a little postage stamp and a little homeowners association neighborhood and we had a, I don't even remember how many bedrooms it was, five I guess, and it was a pretty big house and I thought, man, I'm not ever going to live in a homeowners association neighborhood for the rest of my life. I want to have enough land. I can't hear the neighbor's dog barking. And, and I, want, I want some breathing room. Yeah, yeah, and so a, a brother in the church gave us 8.75 acres. And so we built a house. And oh, my gosh. And, you know, Sue and I have this whole running battle all the time because she walks around. The, look, there will never be an end to global warming as long as Sue Lingerfeld is on the planet because she just goes from room to room and turns lights on and I go from room to room and turn lights off and somebody will say oh that's just the way you were raised you know you're trying to conserve electricity I don't care about electricity it's changing all those light bulbs (laughs) who's who's going to get the ladder out and change all those light bulbs she is you know Sue says you're a rich man what do you care I said sister You then change the light bulbs. (laughs) It's not about the electricity. It's about the light bulbs. And so it never dawned on me. It never dawned on me that, you know, it takes more money, work, effort, eight and three quarter acres versus 1.1 acre. It's all got to be mowed. The shrubs, the trees. Oh, my gosh. And uh, all of that. Oh, it never dawned on me. And then forget about that. How about property taxes? So God's not going to make everybody here a millionaire because not everybody wants to work hard enough to be a millionaire. And even if God laid a million bucks on you, a lot of people will fritter away down to the level that they can handle. Because there's work to having stuff there's work to having stuff (laughs) you know sometimes I, I, I drive past those homeless people down under those bridges in Fort Worth and I tell my family whoever's in the car they got it easy they, they don't have to worry about, you know, the great big house insurance bill. They don't have to worry about, you know, do I have the uh, insurance ID card in every vehicle? They don't have to go online and check, has this car been inspected? Has that car been? I mean, there's work to all of it. Oh, just give me a sleeping bag and put me under a bridge. <laughs> See, so a lot of people just, they don't want to work that hard. Because having stuff is demanding. How many of you know that when that great, great freeze hit, 
I was so glad I hadn't bought another house. Can you imagine, can you imagine being worried about two houses and do I have electricity? And then how would you know? You got to go check in the snow with crazy drivers. Are you hearing me? Do you understand what I'm saying? The more stuff you have, the richer you are, the more money you have, that in and of itself is labor. Because somebody's got to watch it all. Somebody got to take care of it all. Somebody got to cut the grass. Somebody got to trim the trees. Last count, we had 535 trees where we live. And guess what? At least every other year, they got they got to be trimmed. Otherwise, the mowers can't go under them. When I walk and pray, I can't go under them. Yeah, you don't even want to know what it costs to have 535 trees trimmed. And I can still hear the neighbor's dog barking. So nine acres is not enough. Then how come I haven't gone and got done a hundred or whatever? Because I just, I'm just now getting used to take care of nine. Are you hearing me, people? So part of you prospering and going to the next level is you have to be man enough to, to handle all the responsibilities of the next level. That's why young men don't get married. If you can't take care of one person, why, why would you sign up to take care of two people? So God's not going to make everybody a millionaire because not everyone wants to work that hard. And no, because not everyone will operate at that same obedience level. And no, because not everyone will be faithful with a tithe. And no, because not everyone will operate at the same generosity level. But would I be against everyone in this church being a millionaire? No, I think it'd be great. 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 Judge me if you want to. I don't care. I think it'd be great. I think it'd be great if everybody here could go on vacation where you wanted and never think about the cost. I think it'd be great if everybody here could drive what you wanted and never think about the cost. I think it'd be great. I think it'd be great. What is rich anyway? Rich is having enough money to pay your bills. Rich is having enough money to take care of your children and your family. Rich is having enough money to be able to save money for rainy days and for the future. And rich is having enough money to do all of that and still have enough money to be generous on every occasion when it comes time to give into the work and the mission in the house of God. See, we get the wrong idea about rich. And if you haven't figured it out, these benchmarks change all the time. They're printing so much money all the time. That's why you got to find ways to invest money, whatever your thing is. We had a man in the church for a while, and he traded currencies, and Austin and I went to lunch with him, and I had him explain it to me, and I still didn't understand it. Uh, I don't want to get anywhere near that. 
But you have to find a way to capture some of this inflation right. because if you don't, you're going backwards. Yeah. Right. I remember the first time I asked Sue this question. We were in Paris, and I asked her, I said, how much money do you think you'd have to have to live here? And she said, well, you'd have to have $10 million. And then years later, we were back in Paris, and I said, so how much money do you think it would take now to live here? And she said, well, you'd have to have $20 million. And the last time we were there, which is the last time we're going... I said to Sue, I said, well, how much money do you think you'd have to have to live here? She said, well, you'd have to have $50 million. See, because they're printing money all the time. You don't think they're actually operating the country on the taxes we pay. It's all a racket. But I like what Charles Payne says, the guy with, I think it's, is it CNBC? He says, the money's not real, but you can buy real stuff with it. I like that. So in other words, I got to capture enough of it so I can, I can buy some stuff, I can own some stuff, I can travel, I can do what I want, I can eat where I want, drive what I want, wear what I want, but the money at the end of the day is not real. It just printed. We got a guy here, and he works at the U.S. Treasury, and they're running those presses. I mean, forget about COVID. During COVID, I couldn't get my license plates renewed. But I'll tell you, what never shut down, not for one half of one minute, is the printing press in Fort Worth because they got to keep printing that money, printing that money, printing that money, printing that money. And you got to get your hands on some of it because even though, even though it's worth less today, that's why, you, that's why God, Jesus said, you know, give us this day our daily bread. And like Larry Lee used to say, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. And as you know, Father God, it takes more bread today than it did yesterday. Just since this guy got elected, elected that was just 60 days ago. Gasoline in Texas has doubled. So you got you to get your hands on it. And I don't know about you, but I have found it's easier to get my hands on some money with the blessing of the Lord. Say, lift both hands and shake them and say, the blessing of the Lord. Do it again. Say, the blessing of the Lord. Do it again. Say, the blessing of the Lord. Amen. It's, it's just easier to pull ahead with the blessing of the Lord than it is in my own strength and my own ability and my own smarts. You know, around the house, you might hear Sue and I say, man, we need to get some anointing on this. You can do things with God you can't do any other way. Tell your neighbor, you can do things with God you can't do any other way. And this is the basis upon which Jacob made his decision. The Lord said to him, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you, God had said to Jacob, I'll be with you wherever you go. I'll watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land and I will prosper you. I will not leave you until I have done everything I have promised you. And then that's when Jacob made his vow. When you think about what God has done for you, 
We have been saved from our sins by the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been delivered and set free from the power of darkness by the risen Savior. We have been translated into the kingdom of God's own dear Son. It is a small thing to give God 10% of everything that crosses our hands. Jesus said, Matthew 7, 13, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. I'm so glad I've been saved. I'm so glad I've been delivered. I'm so glad Jesus is my Lord. If God asked me to tithe with no promise attached to it, I'd still give the tithe just out of gratitude. But to think of all the wonderful promises God has attached to his tithe and for the giving into his work, his mission, and his house, and God's people are still so selfish, still so short-sighted, still so carnal in their natural thinking, they won't give it. It's absolutely beyond my comprehension. Oh, you're just fundraising. No, I'm not. Faith Christian Center doesn't know anybody anything save the debt of love. We're not fundraising. I'm teaching you the requirements of Almighty God. Amen. Amen. And the good news is he did not make the demand without a promise. He attached promises to his command. Thank God. Thank God I'm among the few. I'll gladly give my tithe and my offerings to spread such good news to others so that they might come to know the joy I've discovered in Jesus Christ and his word. Jacob made that vow based on the promises that God made to him. Now, did Jacob have more promises than we do as New Testament Christians, or did Jacob have fewer promises than we do as New Testament Christians? Talk to me. Did he have more or did he have fewer? fewer then should we do should we be less motivated to give than Jacob or more motivated to give than Jacob see God is leading you to a city where the streets are made out of gold don't worry about the tithe just give it don't worry about the tithe just take action on the word of God and pay it don't worry about the tithe just take action on the word of God and see what God will do A young man asked me many years ago, he said, Pastor, he said, I've heard the story, but he said, what was the determinant factor in you obeying God and taking the $40,000 of profit out of your first house after the tithe and pioneering Faith Christian Center? And I said, well, it's simple, really. I said, I knew I heard God. It was the 20th day of a 21-day fast in October of 1983. I knew I'd heard God. Then, to be safe, I went, I met with nine different ministers that I loved and I trusted, and I laid it out for them, and all of them said the exact same thing, Arlington, Texas. And I said, at the end of the day, the decision was easy because after I'd done all that, I said to Sue, I said, I could not live the rest of my life wondering what would have been if I had done what God said do. See, if I do what God says do, I can live with that. 
What I cannot live with is not doing what God says do and then wondering what would have happened. This church is here on this property because God spoke to us to put the roof on missionary Bud, Sir, Bud Sickler's church in Mombasa. In those days, I'm quite convinced that I was third or fourth or fifth or 10th or 15th or 20th on God's list. I'm quite convinced of it. And Bud had carried those plans around and everywhere he went, he would show ministers those plans. Behind his back, one of the most grievous things I've ever seen and witnessed in my entire life, one of his board members mocked him to me and made fun of him to me because Bud Sickler carried those plans with him and showed ministers everywhere he went his plans. One of the most grievous things I've ever witnessed in the ministry. And I'm convinced that God spoke to this one and God spoke to that one and God spoke to another one. And then he got down the list to me. But I'm convinced now that all these years have gone by. I'm not on the list at 15th or 20th or 25th or 30th. I think I'm one of the first calls God makes. Hallelujah. That's why this church is doing more giving than we've Hallelujah. ever done. Hallelujah. Because God, at the end of the day, God, God knows where he can speak to somebody and they'll do what he says and there'll be a blessing and, and See, see, if you're worried about God making it up to you, well, you haven't crossed that bridge. You haven't even begun to understand who you're dealing with. When we pass over from this side to the other side, we're going to walk on streets of gold. You're worried about gold here? All I need is some anointing on my life. All I need is the power of God on my life. All I need is the blessing of the Lord on my life. That's all I need. I just got to get some anointing on it. That's all. Amen. Amen. I just, and, and this is, isn't this what God said to Jacob? I will be with you. Man, this is Old Testament. I will be with you. I will go with you. I will bless you. No, I'd rather do it on my own. See, Malachi 3, 8, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me, but you ask, how do we rob you in tithes and offerings? You're under a curse the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. The only time in the Word of God, God says, test him. But how many, how many people don't even want to, they won't even test him. They won't even test him. And, and I'm off the reservation, man. I, I am off the chain. I have, I have left the building on this. 2018, you know, the Lord spoke to me to give an extra million dollars in the challenge offering, you know, and I run it by Sue. Sue's game, you know, thank God I didn't marry, you know, some doubt peddler. Oh, thank God I'm not unequally yoked. So I run it by Sue. You know what her response is? Let's just see what God will do. We're just pilgrims passing through anyway. This world is not our home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I say we're just passing through anyway. This world is not our home. Let's just see what God will do. Test me in this and see 
if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there it is again, that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields when I cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. God says, test me, test me, test me. It's the only time in the word of God, God says, test me. And yet millions of Christians are so prejudiced against giving, they won't even test the Lord to see if his word is good. It is absolutely amazing. Let us shake ourselves loose from the prejudices of the past. Let us shake ourselves loose from the opinions of friends and relatives. Let us shake ourselves loose from any poverty mindsets mindsets our parents may have imposed on us. 1991, Sue was sitting in an old used Audi that had nonstop air conditioning problems out of warranty, nonstop air conditioning problems on the field of road bridge and a 15-year-old kid in a pickup truck rear-ended her. He hit that car so hard, it totaled that car. And we were 35 years old. For the first time in my life, we went and bought a brand new car. I was 35 years old before I ever bought a brand new car. I bought her a brand new car. And I'd drive my old car, and then I'd get in her new car, and then I'd drive my old car, And then I'd get in her new car, and Dr. Gene still couldn't do it. Couldn't do it, couldn't do it, couldn't pull the trigger, couldn't do it. And I'm making hospital visits. Back then I did everything. I'm making hospital visits. I'm in Fort Worth, and I make one hospital visit, and I'm on my way to make another hospital visit. I could not make this up. I mean, I couldn't make it up, and a lady turned left in front of me, and I hid her. She was an old lady. I was concerned about her. I wasn't even thinking about my car. And uh, she was fine. I hit her and totaled my car. She was on her way to an eye doctor appointment. I could not make this up. She said, I never saw you, son. And, and I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there on a bus stop bench watching them load my beautiful 1988 535 on a flatbed truck because, I mean, it was destroyed. And so then I go and I get me, I thought, well, you know, Sue's got a new one. I went and got me a new one. I had church members unhappy. Then my father comes to visit. He looks in the garage and he says, I don't know why you need two of those high dollar cars. If he came over to our house this afternoon, he'd have a heart attack. I'm telling you. I don't even have a car on my side of the, in my garage that's got more than 1,200 miles on it. I like driving this one. Then I like driving that one. Then I like driving the next one. Amen. Amen. And I like having them under warranty. And if one doesn't start, the next one will. And if that one doesn't start, the next one will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My God. My God, my God wants to open up the windows of heaven above his people. My God, my God, my God wants to pour out more upon his sons and daughters than they're even able to contain. My God is rich. My God is wonderful. My God is generous. My God is kind. My God wants to bless his people. But how can he bless disobedient children? How can he bless faithless 
children. Children who ain't got no faith. Let's just see what God will do. Tell your neighbor, let's just see what God will do. Tell the neighbor on the other side, let's just see what God will do. So let us give God his tithe and let us obey God in giving offerings above and beyond the tithe and let us just see what God will do. This young couple, they started giving above, they started their marriage tithing, they started giving above and beyond the tithe. They, somebody would say they made the mistake. No, I don't think so. They heard what God said doing that challenge offering. And then the Lord, the Lord led them, led them to open up their own business. See, it's easier for God to bless you in that situation than otherwise. And so he began to bless them. And then when you get yourself in the situation like that, God can send along one customer and make so much money. And that's what happened. And then they had a decision. Do we nearly pay the house off or do we knock out that old challenge offering commitment. Well, let's just give it to God and see what God will do. Let's just give it to God and see what God will do. Let's just see if God's a liar or let's just see if God's a truth teller. Let's just see what God will do. Let's just see what God will do. Let us just see what God will do. Let's stretch our faith and dare to believe God to help us do more than we ever dreamed we could do. We need to understand that the world is not going to fund the church. The world is only going to fund itself. Now, the purpose for wealth for the child of God is to establish God's covenant on the earth. And this is what God's people have completely missed. Deuteronomy 8.18, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Now, say it out loud. My God gives me the ability to produce wealth. But this world out here just wants to know how to mooch wealth. The purpose of wealth for the child of God is to establish God's covenant on the earth. And this is what God's people have missed. God, Jacob made a vow to tithe when he had nothing in his hand but a stick. And, you know, people come to us, they don't really bring this to me anymore. They bring it to Austin. I don't have enough to tithe. Look, when you ain't got nothing but a stick, that's a perfect time to start, start tithing because you ain't got nothing anyway. Amen. Well, Pastor, I don't have anything. Great. You got nothing to lose. And people don't even realize what they're saying to us when they come to us and say, I don't have anything. What you're saying is that you, in your strengths and your ability and your intelligence, can't cut it. My father was a high school graduate who never gave his heart to the Lord. But he was a millionaire back in the 70s when a million dollars was a lot of money. My, my father-in-law was a high school graduate, an immigrant who died speaking in an accent. High school graduate became a millionaire back in the 70s when that was a lot of money. You have to understand my perspective. If I saw two unsaved men through hard work become millionaires back in the 70s when a million dollars was a lot of money, 
Why can God's people not see that anybody can do it? And any child of God can do it with the blessing of the Lord on them. I said any child of God can do it with the blessing of the Lord on them. Tell your neighbor, surely you can do what some old sinner can do. Tell the neighbor on the other side, surely you can do what some old sinner can do. Not very exciting, is it? You know, you're just looking at me in a, that tone of voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You don't need any money to start t- any more money to start tithing. All you need is commitment. All you need is a desire to be a blessing to God's work, God's kingdom, and God's house. Jacob had so much wealth they couldn't all travel together because it would devastate the land. Jacob said, I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I've become two groups. When we tithe, we acknowledge God as our source. When we tithe, we show God our faith. When we tithe, we take action on the word of God. When we tithe, we tell our heavenly father we believe he told us the truth in his word. When we tithe, we tell our heavenly father that we believe he is able to fulfill his word to us. A lot of people are trying to believe God for money, but they don't love God's work. They don't love God's mission, and they don't love God's house, and it doesn't work. They never saw themselves as paymasters for God's work and God's mission and God's house. Loving God's work and loving God's mission and loving God's house gives me faith for millions of dollars. There's, not, there's literally not any point of money on my prayer list now that's not millions of dollars. Well, I believe God for tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. doesn't take me any more faith to believe God for millions of dollars. When you love God's work and love God's mission and love God's house, it's not hard to believe God for millions of dollars. Hallelujah. And this 2021 is the year of the Lord showing out. I believe it was on December 20. I stood right here and I said, the Lord's going to leave us here for a little while. And the Lord's going to leave us here to prove out that 2020 was not an aberration. 2020 was not some special year. 2020 was not some exception that God wants to prove out to us in 2021 that the way God blessed us in 2020, God will bless us in 2021. The money we made in 2020 is nothing. We'll make more money in 2021. The blessing of the Lord we walked in in 2020 is nothing. We'll walk in that blessing and more blessing in 2021. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God wants to show out. God wants to prove himself strong. This whole world out here, they have lost their you-know-what in fear. But here at Faith Christian Center, we are standing strong. We are standing true. We are standing in prosperity. We are standing in health. Hallelujah. 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 We never buried a member for any reason in 2020, and this is a big church. And we haven't buried anybody in 2021 for any reason. I'm here to tell you, my God is faithful. I'm here to tell you, my God is a truth-telling God. I'm here to tell you, my God is a rich God. I'm here to tell you, my God is a faithful God. If you will just believe God, if you will just take action on the Word of God, if you will just step out and see what God will do, God will take you a long way down the road. My God, my God, 
my God is in the business of making the dreams of his people come to pass. You know, I, sometimes I'll say to Sue, did you ever see this? Oh, no. She said, I, I never, not only did I never see it, I never thought it. What God can do. What God can do. What God can Stop living a little life. Hook on to the ancient of days and see what God can do. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.